Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. We are finishing up the book of 1 Corinthians uh, today. Can any of you guess what we're doing next? Yes, 2 Corinthians. Very good. That's, that's, that was, if there's a first, there's a second, you know. But we're going to just keep on kind of trucking through here. Um, but uh, there's been so many good things that we've learned through going through this tough book, challenging book, um, timely book that speaks very much to this culture and also to ours, a culture of selfishness, of pride, uh, of arrogance at times, um, of, uh, you know, th- taking liberty over people, of lacking in love, uh, being more about the show than about the, the people around us. Um, selfishness is a big theme here and uh, allowing sin to enter into the camp and ruin some of the good things that God was doing. So going through this whole book, we've seen a lot of our culture and, and, and recognizing how culture can easily affect uh, us. Uh, but we're called to, instead of being a thermometer, to be a thermostat, to set the tone and to follow God no matter what. Because he knows, right? And and not worry about what the world's doing around us, but to do what he's told us to do and to trust him for that. So, uh, chapter 16, verse 13. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you so much for this time this morning. And we pray you'd speak to us from your word. That you fill us with your spirit to be able to understand what you're showing us, what you're teaching us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, we pray that um, all of this would just take root in our lives and our hearts, that we'd be able to hear and understand what you're trying to teach us, what you're trying to show us, and that it would be, um, uh, we'd, have, we'd have good soil in our hearts, that would, the seed would grow and, and uh, be well watered, and, and that fruit would be produced in our lives. God, that you would, um, Lord, just... Give encouragement where encouragement is necessary. Correction where correction is necessary. We just pray that you'd help us to be submitted to you, to your will, to what you have for us. Um, that we lay aside our own will, our own desires, our own um, plans, and allow you to be the one that leads us and guides us. Knowing full well that you are so much more capable of um, handling our life than we are. So we just want to surrender to you, submit to you, and um, hear from you this morning. So we pray you'd speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, the first part of of, uh, chapter 16, we have uh, Paul speaking to the saints, and he's getting a collection together, and, and he's telling them his plans, and what he wants to do, and where he wants to go. And so we're at the the second half of the last chapter. And this is like, this is what I'm leaving you guys with. Here's the conclusion. Here's the, the, the this is, man, take this home with you. All right. This is my last words uh, in this book. Of course, he'd be writing another one soon. Uh, but this is my, my parting words for you guys. Verse 13, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Um, it's interesting. Paul uses this terminology and we all know that it's, it's not us. We can't make ourselves really 
like God. We can't make ourselves perfect or anything like that. But it does take effort on our part and, and God meeting us in that to move forward, right? Like, you, you're like, is it God or is it me? I mean, is it the Holy Spirit that does it or, or is it, do I do it? it, it yes, it's, it's both, right? We have to be willing participants and we have to have some, like, a little bit of toughness to survive. It's going to be hard. Uh, walking with God is not easy. Walking in the flesh is default. Default is something like you, you don't have to be programmed. You don't have to be taught how to sin. You don't have to be taught how to be selfish, right? Let me say that before. Like you don't take your child and you're like, now listen, I've noticed you've been a little bit, you know, selfless and I wanted to work on you on some selfishness. So when another kid wants to play with your toy, you say mine and you pull it back. Okay. This is what you say, mine. And, and when somebody else goes and sits on your mom's lap, you better not allow that. That's not something you want to do. That's, that's your mom's lap. So I want to see you, you know, be a little bit more protective of that, you know? And, um, this is foolishness, right? You don't have to teach a kid to hit another kid. Did you see that? See that kid sitting right there? I know they're not doing anything. Just go over there and hit them. That's a good idea. Or bite them. You see that arm? Look at that baby fat on that arm. Just take a bite. You never know what'll happen. You know, it could be good. You can find out. You don't have to do this with kids, right? They are born full-blown sinners, right? Sometimes we're like, no, I don't believe that we're born sinners. But you, if you have kids, you know, don't you? You know, like even the very best kid is, is not that good, right? Like we love you very much, but you, every time, every day, there's something, right? There's always going to be something, but we're born sinners and, and we're born with this nature and, and it takes effort on our part. The cool thing is God meets us there, but it's, it would be, we'd be wrong to think that it doesn't take any sort of effort at all. And I think a lot of times you get screwed up. You're like, I've tried to follow God and I prayed a lot and I'm just, I just keep doing the same exact thing. You're like, well, do you try and like, do you do anything to not do that thing? No, I just thought God would take it away and I'd no longer have a desire and I'd no longer have a this and I no longer have that. Well, yeah, no, he'll do that. And it, it takes time. And, it, and as you continue to trust him and fight with him, Go along with it and battle through it. He will take you through. It will lessen in time. You're going to really, what you're going to learn is how to trust him. You're going to learn how to keep your eyes on him. You're like, this is not safe for me. I'm not into this. I'm kind of freaking out. And you're going to, okay, watch, keep going. Just keep going. Really, it's an intentional Christian life. And this is why the whole like, yeah, I just kind of go to church, and yeah, everything's cool. Me and God, me and, you know, the big guy upstairs are good. I give knuckles every morning on the way out, you know. I say bless when I walk out. Blessed, man, blessed. Hashtag blessed. This is good. And then, and then that's it. It takes an intentional relationship with the Lord to do these things. Because this is what Paul's, as he's closing out, this is what I want you guys to think about. Because they're kind of haphazard, laxed. All about their freedoms, but really had let the freedoms become bondage. Had let the liberties become not liberties anymore. Because they were allowing them to continue in their life. And it, and it starts swallowing them up. And the things that seemed good were not good. So he says, You're gonna, it's going to take some vigilance on your part. What doesn't, by the way? What doesn't take work that's worth having? Nothing, right? So what does he say? Watch. 
What's the idea of watching is to be alert, right? If you're watching, you're alert. And you say this, if you come from the Inland Empire, LA or downtown San Diego or something like that, you are always got your hand on your wallet and you're always checking, you know, like, you know, I'm watching, I'm assessing the situation. I'm at the gas station. This guy pulled up to me. Who's this guy? What's he doing? What's that van? Where's the windows? You know, like what's going on? This is being intentional and watchful, right? Um, people are victims all the time because they don't pay attention. And it's only gotten worse with the cell phone, right? You could walk right into trouble without even noticing it, right? Because you're like, oh, I could walk while texting. But things move in front of you, don't they? And things move around the side of you. You've got to know where you're at and what's happening around you. To be watchful, to be alert, this is important. One of the great tragedies we have to deal with nowadays is, is um, trafficking, right? And one of the things they say they look for, right, is is People preoccupied as they walk out of a, a, a store, department store or something like that. They're preoccupied. They're not alert. They're not paying attention. And they walk right into a trap. This is not good. I, I, I said when we were at Target, I was like, so Target. So they like hang around Target sometimes. And I was like, I'm predator hunting. Let's find one. You know, like I want to go, you know, see someone who's scoping them out and hit them up. You know, I, that's not a good idea either, right? That's kind of the flesh on the other side. But that's kind of a glimpse into my old life, I guess. Uh, we were predator hunting today. Um, but but this, is, this is to be watchful is important. And that's on an earthly, in an earthly sense. How much more in the spiritual world where you can't even see everything? Well, what does it mean to watch then? We need to keep our eyes on Jesus and be like, where am I going? What am I doing? Help me. I need help. I don't know how to deal with this. Help me. I, this is a whole new thing. Help me. The days that you're filled going to him with everything are good days, by the way. Not necessarily thinking about sin either because you're just surviving. And surviving is not always such a bad thing, right? When you're just like, all right, Lord, just get me through the day. Uh, oh, what? yeah, there's a sin I was always struggling with. I don't really think about that. Because I'm just walking with Jesus. I'm just, I'm just trying to keep my eyes on him. Things are getting crazy and I'm trying to keep my eyes on him. And he's directing me and he's leading me. But we're to watch. We're to keep an eye on what's going on around us. The world we live in. To understand and to read into what's happening. And to recognize the schemes of the enemy. And not be sucked up in them. So we're called to watch. This goes along, they all go together really well. The second one is to stand fast in the faith. No turning back. Being planted. To stand fast in the faith. To trust God when things seem like they're moving around. To, to not have be swayed by every little thing, but to trust God at his word. And that means not making excuses for God, right? Oh, you know, I'm, that was from a different time. And, oh, man, I, you know, I don't, I don't know really how that, you know, works. And so um, we could just kind of discard that one. And God's like, did I say to do that? Has culture come in and stolen away something from you? And we, if we're honest, we've all been there, right? There's all been things. It's called compromise. This is the opposite of compromise. Standing fast in the faith. Not letting stuff come in and derail us or pull us down or sway us or get us off track a little bit, get you going. 
you go in this way, you move one degree over a couple miles down the road, it makes a big deal, makes a big difference, right? All of a sudden you're like in a totally different area than you had planned on being because you had been swayed, because you had been moved, because you weren't standing fast in the faith. And he says, be brave. Well, this is good. You're like, really? All of this? I thought, I thought that I, I'll just trust God and all this. We do. That's the point. That being brave is trusting God. It means we don't fear men. That's what being brave is. We don't fear men and women, the world. We don't fear it because we don't have to. Now, there's a natural thing in you that is like, I don't want to deal with conflict. I don't want to deal with people like, I don't want to deal with it being hard. I don't like that. That's not something I'm like excited about. But the fact of the matter is, we've got to be brave because we're holding on to like the actual key to life. And the, the disagreements or the problems or whatever that you can have with people, it's like that's nothing compared to losing out and missing out on the pure work that the gospel can have in someone else's life. Sometimes we compromise things because we think it'll make the gospel more palatable. We think Christianity will look easier for people to understand or whatever. And what we've done is we've lost the essence of it and the power of it. So when people see it for themselves, they go, oh, is that, that's what Christianity is? That just looks like me. And you're like, yeah, isn't that cool? It looks like you. They're like, I know me. I don't want me. I want something better than me, right? <laughs> I'm like, not looking for that. I want something better than that. So this is being brave, trusting God, not fearing man, but being willing to be uncomfortable for a greater cause. You know that our comfort is not God's greatest mission. You know this, right? Have you noticed that? It's not like he's like, uh, my plans are to com- give you comfort only, like, and to have a comfortable life where you never have to stress about anything and nothing's ever going to be hard. He's going to say, no, you're going to go through some crazy stuff. By the way, 2 Corinthians will hit this like nar-nar, okay? It's coming hard, okay? It's going to be like all about you going through stuff and yet God coming through for you again and again and again and the whole world going, what is that thing? How do you do what you're doing? Why are you still upstanding? How is this happening in your life? And that's where the the excellence is of the gospel. God gets glory. He gets credit. You have all these things coming against you, yet you're walking through it because God is guarding you and covering you and taking you through it. It takes bravery, though. It takes trusting in him, standing in him, believing him, even when it doesn't seem like it makes any sense. Because the reward for believing him in the hard things is, it's like, it's extra amazing. Even Jesus kind of spoke of that, like, yeah, you've seen me. That's great that you have faith. But how much greater is the faith of those who haven't even seen me, yet they believe? That's like, that's even better, Okay. So you trust me when it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to bless that. And it's going to take a while, but I'm going to bless that. And I'm going to, I'm going to hold you up and you're going to endure because I'm building in you, not comfort, something so much greater than comfort, character, integrity. And you're going to look like Jesus. You're going to find out that the promises I give you hold water. But the only way you're going to find that out is when you trust me. It's like you put floaties on a kid and you're like, is, do these things work? You're like your precious child, you know, that you 
like you're feeding and you're doing all these things and you're like, do the floaties even work? I don't know, right? So you put them on and there's only one way to really find out, isn't there? Like, because you can just hold them up above the water and you're like, the floaties are great. You're like, it's not the floaties. It's your hands, okay? At some point, you're going to have to let go and see what happens. Same thing. Kid learns to ride a bike. It's all good when you're holding on to the seat. What happens when you let go of the seat? Are you still holding on? And you're like, yeah. I think God's cool with that. I don't know. Like, I kind of lied. I, I mean, no. What? Boom, crash, whatever. No. They find out, and you're like, oh, you are riding a bike right now. Did you know that? And they're like, I am. Ah! And, but they're also happy, giggling with tears coming down their eyes. You know, like, I can't believe it. You know, that's one of my children. I won't say who it is. Uh, but it's, it's, it's you, you don't know until you're put in that position. And you're like, it really works. Everything you said is real. It actually works. That's actually what, like you said it was. Thank you. Being brave and then being strong. Being strong, be strong means that we're built up and ready. We're not strong in our own power or in our own might. We're strong in him. He's the one that gives us strength. He's the one that gives us bravery. He's the one that that makes us stand fast. But we are part of it. We allow it and we are looking for it. This is the, the Corinthian church was soft and they were getting beat up because they were soft. That's all there is to it. You're, you're going to figure that out. I remember that was like a big thing when I went into football was my dad says, it's going to be different than anything you've ever done before. And I'm like, ah, I played sports my whole life. He's like, it's going to be harder than that. Trust me. And so, you know, hell week comes around, you know, that's, they call it hell week. If this is hell, this is not good, right? Out in the Inland Empire, 110 degrees, wearing pads, two-a-day practices, starting 7 in the morning, going till 2, and then you get a two-hour break or something, and you come back and you do it again for like four more hours. You're sleeping and you're cramping at night. Ah, your legs are like, you know. All I think I was just eating bananas and drinking Gatorade, just like trying to get my muscles to work with me. But I remember sleeping and going, and it was like, oh, cramp, and I pushed it the other way. And then this one went and I'm like, I'm miserable. You know, like everything is cramping in my body. I'm beyond myself. I don't know what I'm going to do with all of these things, but he says, this is going to toughen you up. And it did pretty soon. You find out that the things that you think, let me, I can't do that. I'm tired. I'm this and that. No, you, you thought you were tired. You don't even know what tired is. You have no clue. Wait till you get to the next level. You're just barely getting involved. You have no idea. But what happens is as you grow in it, there's people there. They're helping you. They're supporting you. They're getting you going along the way. And before you know it, you're doing more than you ever thought possible. And you're stronger than you thought you could be. And, but it took work. And it was painful. God absolutely does it in us. But he needs us to be willing. He wants us to be willing. We need to be willing. We don't want to be soft. I'll tell you what, when you're soft, you get eaten alive in, in a sport like that. If you don't, if you, it's either you hit or you get hit. That's the way it is. Or you just sit down on the bench. Do you see my uniform? You know, does it look good, mom? You're so, you're so cute, honey. And I love it. You never got hurt at all. You're like, that's not what life is. 
Life is about getting hurt sometimes because you're going for it. You're charging it. And it's going to be hard at times. And it's going to be battles. The spiritual life is, is, is not easy, but it's absolutely exciting. 100% it's exciting. I uh, had this quote. A friend of mine gave me this quote by J, uh, G.K. Chesterton, uh, the author um, he wrote a book called The Everlasting Man, and C.S. Lewis said it was like it contributed to him coming to Christ. And uh, he's a great thinker, uh, was willing to take on a lot of the English scholars of his day at 29 years old, came in and, and addressed them and their, uh, uh, with their anti-God narrative and the rational man narrative. Uh, but he had a Great quote. And it goes like this. It says, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. You want me to read that again? (laughs) The Christian ideal, which, which means following Jesus, like walking in a like follow Christ follower manner, has not been tried and found wanting. That's great news. Right? And, and, and those of you who know, you know, it, it's not like he's not there. It has, however, <laughs> been found difficult and left untried. No, nah, it's too hard. I'm out of here. That happens all the time. No, nah, that doesn't make sense with me. No, nah, that's too much to take away. Paul understood what sacrifice meant. He understood what all these things meant. But you hear the joy in his heart. He's like, you don't even understand. The joy of serving God is so much greater than anything I've gone through. Of knowing him. Of trusting him. Have that resolve, I guess. And that's what he's saying to the Corinthian church. And that very much works for us. And, and I think about that. Like, where are you soft? Where have you gotten soft? Where have you allowed yourself to punk out on things? God, show it to me and and work that in me. Remember, we can't, it's not us. It's not like, all right, I'm going to be brave. All right, I'm going to be strong. You're going to find out that doesn't take you very far. You're going to say, I'm willing to stand with you, Lord. Direct me, lead me, guide me, give me everything I need. You you make me brave. Make me brave, God. I want to be brave. I want to trust you. You make me strong. It's not my strength. It's you working in me. I just, I want to be available for you to do these things so that you can do these, like the world can see this stuff happening in me. You'll get the glory. It'll be awesome. Verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. It's funny. Like these other terms are very bruiser like, right? You know, be brave, be strong, you know, fight, you know, like win, let's charge it, you know, watch, you know, I can do this. He says, everything you do, be done with love. Don't you ever forget for a second what the main driving force of all of this is, is love, right? 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? You could do all these things. You could cast out demons. You could, you know, you you could speak in in tongues of men and angels and, and prophesy. And you could do all these great and amazing things. You could be brave. You could be strong. You could try and do all this stuff without love. It's nothing. It's, it's irritating to those around you. If you don't have love, you've missed the whole thing because the whole thing is a relationship with you and Jesus. You love him. He loves you. He motivates, gives you everything you need. He empowers you, strengthens you, leads you, guides you. 
It's been an issue for the Corinthians. Their lack of love has them thinking about themselves and no one else. Yeah, me and God are cool. I don't really care about them though. And Paul's like, it doesn't work like that. You can't say you and God are cool and forget them. No, that's not how that works. Like, because if you and God are cool, then that means you're going to love them too. It works together. You need these things to work together. So um, we need his help. And, but really what we need is a relationship with him. That's where all of this comes from. I spend time with him. I'm praying. I'm reading. I'm letting him search my heart, know my heart, change me from the inside out. Make me more like you, Lord. I want to see things the way you see them. I want to trust you at your word and not be swayed. It's so easy to, to do that and then to recognize that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know people who get swayed by stuff. I totally know those kind of people. You are those kind of people. You can be swayed, right? Someone comes up to you and they're like, can you, you won't believe what that person just did to me. They did this and they did this and they did this and they did this. And you're like, they did that? Oh, well, forget them. They're not my friend either. And then that friend comes to you and they say, I don't know what just happened. This and then this and then this happened. And this guy blew up at me and I didn't even do anything. You're like, he blew up at you? I can't believe he would blow up at you. You know, because you've taken on both sides of the story. And when you're with one person, you're oh, like, oh, totally. I totally see what you're saying. And with the other side, you're like, I totally see what you're saying. And you're like, I'm confused. No, you're swayed. That's what it is, right? There's two sides. There's two, you know, things at work. It's easy to be swayed. This is honest, you know. We are people. We have these flaws. We're just men and women. We can be deceived easily. We need his help. Look to him. Then he uh, does talks a little bit about who he's with and kind of what, you know, what else is going on. Verse 15. I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus. Uh, that is the first fruits of Achaia. And that uh, they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Um, this is a household. We're going to see it's Stephanus for... Fortunate, Fortunatus and uh, Acacia, uh, Acacia, wait, Acacus, something like that. Whatever, you know, this isn't a name I've named my children for a good reason. Okay, but um, I had it down. I actually practiced saying it, and now I'm not saying it right. Uh, but it was a household, likely Stephanus, and these may have been actually like slaves in his household, servants in his household. But they were all following Jesus, and they were some of the first fruits of the ministry that Paul had seen. And so he like was super stoked. They were the ones that actually had brought the letters to Paul. Because remember, he's addressing some of the questions in Corinth. Like they'd ask, I, I, and now to address this, now to address this, the believers in Corinth had brought these things to Paul and Paul was going through them and answering questions while at the same time, giving them a whole lot more than they asked for. Cause I think these guys are some down believers and they're like, Paul, it's kind of messed up at home. And he's like, please tell me what's going on. And so they brought it to him and they were part of the first fruits. Some of the first that had been saved in that region over there. So he was extra um, appreciative. There's something about like, the 
the people that the Lord uses you to minister in their lives, like the first ones that you get to minister to. I'll, I'll never forget the first kid I got to pray for in youth ministry um, where I was allowed to pray with them. They're like, okay, yeah, you've been around and seem like you're not like a crazy person. Um, and uh, you can pray with him, okay, or, or whatever. So go in the prayer room. And, and I remember this kid coming up to me. He was like two years younger than me, and I'm a leader. And I've been a Christian for like, I don't know, like two months or something. Like I'd been grown up in the church, but I hadn't really, didn't really get any of it until then. And he comes up to me, and he's like, hey, man, can I ask for prayer? And I'm like, I think so. And, uh, <laughs> and so he starts pouring his heart out to me, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> How do I pray for this guy? I've never really done this before. Where I'm like praying for someone. And, um, and I remember him. Like I remember it like clear as day. The whole thing. I prayed with thousands of people over the years. I'll always remember praying with him. Because it was like, wow. Like I can't believe I got to do that. Or, or the first person you got to see come to Christ. Like that was so amazing. And it's, it's like that was so rad to be a part of something like that. The first message I ever gave or whatever, all these things, right? First time you're being used by the Lord in one way or another. And they were like some of the first ones that had gotten converted in Corinth. Remember, very rough ground, but God had provided a way. So he was very excited to see them. And he says, you guys need to respect and honor them. These, they're, they're legit. Verse 16, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. I'm glad about the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. I think that's it. I think I got it right that time. Uh, for what was lacking on your part, they supplied. For they refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. That was kind of like a, a little bit of a slam there by Paul, if you didn't notice. He's like, they uh, ministered to me in the things you guys did not. Remember, he established this church, spent a year and a half in Corinth, worked with this church, and they were—they had such a beef with uh, his leadership and, and with leadership in general. They were rebellious. They didn't like people being in charge. They wanted their own way. He's like saying, you guys have caused me a whole bunch of headaches. They've come and they've actually refreshed me and they've actually blessed me. How good it is to be the people that refresh other people, isn't it? Right. In Christ, there's some relationships or some conversations you can go and you have it with somebody and you're like, I am so encouraged. I'm so blessed. I'm so built up. I, I, I'm just, that was such a amazing time spent with that person, those people, man, I'm like so stoked. Like God used that whole thing. There's also times where you are just getting pulled down, like full on, like like a, like, like a leech and they're pulling and sucking blood. And you're like this, can I leave please? You know, I'm like, I need to get out of here and won't let you go. And then you come out and you're like, that was the opposite of good and uplifting. Paul's saying like, you guys were hard for me a little bit. These people, they were refreshing and uplifting. By the way, we're all going to do that to people sometimes. And and we're all going to, it's, it's easy to do that. Uh, but Use the opportunities you can to refresh one another. Because we're all going through stuff. Different levels, different things, different stuff. But we can all be encouraging to one another. That's part of the blessing about being in part of a body. You, you, if you're all on your own, it's just you and God. And, and, and that's just like an isolation thing. And it gets weird. 
even listening to just podcasts or listening to just uh, messages on the radio or something like that, you miss out on fellowship and people speaking into your life and encouraging you and you being able to encourage someone else. These are important things. Paul knew it and he said it. It was a blessing. They were a blessing to Paul and he wanted to honor them. Verse 19. The churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Uh, They're in Ephesus. Priscilla and Aquila were part of the work in Corinth. So they knew them, which is cool. It's like you could follow this in Acts. If you're reading through Acts, you could see this all happening. And I think Acts chapter 18, um, where it's mentioned. Uh, But Aquila and Priscilla are like, we, uh, we love you guys. We miss you. Like, I want you to know, like, here's our greetings. Like we, we are, yeah, stoked for what God's doing, praying. He's doing more. All the brethren greet you. And he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. So this is something we're going to start doing on Sunday. No, this is a cultural thing. Okay. And, um, if you go to another, other countries, it is still a cultural thing, right? It does happen. Um, we, uh, you know, a lot of us, if you're, American and you know, you, you grew up here and, and you just, it could be a little bit wild, right? When all of a sudden some guy comes up and you're like, Oh no, no man, stranger danger. You know, like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is a cultural thing. And it it remains to this day. It's, but it's, it's an affectionate thing and it's not meant in any weird way. It's just a greeting, right? Like we all have different greetings and different ways. We come and meet each other. You grab a hug or whatever. That's a good Pat, pat, that's enough. You know, like, we're good. Some of the ladies will hug for like an hour, you know, straight. And they're just like, I love you so much. And you're like, cool. You know, husbands are like, I'm really hungry. Like, this is good. But those hugs are good, right? Holy, holy kiss. You know, that's a cultural thing. Um, You know, there you go. Uh, Verse 21, uh, salutation with my own hand. Paul's. He's saying, like, I'm writing this with my own hand. Paul didn't write this. He, like, probably orated it, and then it was written for him. We see him doing this in different uh, uh, letters. It was common in that time. He seems like a pretty, you know, like he's a speaker kind of a guy, and maybe that was the easiest way. We know at times he says, see with, with what large letters I've written this. He's, he had bad eyesight, seemingly, and... Uh, there's thought that could have been his thorn in the flesh that we're going to hear about. Um, whatever the reason he signs off on the end to let you know, I'm writing this last part, the salutation with, I write with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh Lord, come. Okay. You're like, Paul, really? Like that's the, it's all nice and greetings. And he's like, By the way, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, cursed. Um, Okay. What's the point of throwing that in there, Paul? Well, the fact of the matter is he had to deal really strongly with this church in Corinth. He's trying to shake them and wake them up. Because they have been caught in that place of loving themselves, thinking only about themselves. And when you start doing that, you lose your first love. We know that is the start, the beginning of the end. When you start losing your first love. And so he says, don't be confused. If you don't love Jesus, 
you ain't part of any of this. Because really, if you don't love Jesus, it means you don't understand what he did. You don't understand what you needed him to do, how desperate you were, and you don't understand what he did for you, the price he paid. And he still gives you good things on top of that. Not only did he cover your sin, he's with you now. He's working in you now. If you miss this, you miss everything. So like, this is a nice greeting and everything, but I don't want you to think for a second that, that you know, you're kind of okay without, with doing your own thing and, saying, and calling it Christianity. If you don't love Jesus, you're, you're cursed. Like, you're, you're, that's, you've missed it. Like, you don't want anything to do with him. And God's not going to make you spend eternity with him. And really, that's sobering, right? Because we think like, man, that sounds rough. Well, is it? It just means you aren't where you're supposed to be. Like, you don't get it. We've lost touch. We've lost sight. And we need to be told the truth sometimes, even though it's hard and painful, to wake you up so that eminent demise doesn't have to happen. And seemingly, that's what's coming next. Wake up. You've left your first love. You forgot that you needed a savior. It's really simple. You forget, you, you start getting a God complex. That's not going to work. And then he says this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Remember, he's been kind of hard on this church, but he, he wants you to know, I want the grace of our Lord to be with you. And I love you guys. He's like, I love you guys. That's why I'm telling you this. If you're a parent, you know, you have these conversations with your children often. Like this is, I'm not telling you this because I like want to ruin your day. I'm not telling you this because I want to be nagging you. I'm telling you this because I love you and I want you to see it. I need you to see this. I need you to understand this because I don't want you to get ripped off. The time is short. It's going quick. Like, and, and I know where these paths lead. I know where compromise leads. And I know it seems like not a big deal, but it is a big deal. So please heed what I'm saying and let it change you. And then come before the Lord repentant and broken often. I think that's one of the keys to not falling hard is repentance often. Brokenness often, right? It happens all the time, right? Like you're like, this morning, I'm like driving here. I'm just drive off to the beach, you know, stop. Uh, Lord, you know, <laughs> like I'm a mess. I'm like, I, I need your help. I, I rely on my own strength way too much. I, I think I've got this or I've got that. And, and I don't constantly seek you about these things and and i'm and i'm off i missed it i'm not where i'm supposed to be and and i don't always treat people the way i'm supposed to treat them and and i have like sometimes i'm cold in some ways and ah, and you're like all those things i'm not coming back and you're fine then don't find the perfect pastor <laughs> i go ahead i would appreciate it if you did and you tell me who he is i'd like to meet him and then i'll ask his wife Oh, snap. Okay. Um, so, the, the, but that's, that's just it. And, and the, for, the longer it's been be, between where you're real before the Lord. And again, that's that relationship with him. Loving Jesus where you're like, 
I so need your mercy, not just one time, not just like a couple times, every single day, all day, every day. Now you're getting somewhere. Now you have a relationship. Now you're trusting not in yourself, but in him. It's, it's funny. It feels like, oh, this is so humiliating. You're like, humiliating has the word humble as it's in its root. Being humbled is a good thing. When you're humble, he will lift you up. When you trust him, you go to him, he will be the one that will do it. That's what we're called to do. That's what he's begging with this church to do. We're going to, it's cool, we get a part two. And we're going to start it next week. Um, and it's going to be Second Corinthians. And there's going to be so much more to learn in this. And God's going to use it in our lives. And it's going to move in our lives. And, and he's going to continue to shake our little world, our little structure, our flesh that is way more present than we'd like to admit at times, right? It's going to shake us and, and shake our, uh, our um, trust in ourselves and our... Um, ability to think we've got it under control or we've ascended to a certain position or now we're strong enough or now we're this or now we're that. But to say, I, got, I need to learn to trust you in everything all the time to be watchful, to be vigilant, to be brave, to be strong, to stand in him, stand fast in, in, in believing you at what you say. Well, I'm not going to do any of those things if I'm the God of my own life. Because I have my own plans. But when you put Jesus back on the throne, things start lining up. Humility goes up. Pride goes down. Um, you start having less to brag about. And God in, starts doing more in you. And then he starts getting the glory. And then you accidentally touch the glory and then you start over, right? <laughs> this is kind of how it works, right? Go, God did something in my life. Cool. Well, let's write a book about it. No, you he did it, like, not because of you, kind of in spite of you, okay? Let's write a book about it. How to screw up all the time and God, like, help you out, you know? Like, no, but that's the point. It's like to, to let go of that trust and that belief that we are the only one. Man, we need help. We need help. We need his help. The cool thing is, he has an unlimited resource of it. He never gets tired of hearing it. He wants us to lay it all on his, at his feet. Your friends will get tired. If you tell them everything all the time, they're going to get tired. You can go to God with everything, every little thing. And he's like, I like this. You're talking to me. And then once you're really getting there, you go, would you be down to listen for a second? <laughs> I have something to say to you. And you're like, whoa, God spoke to me. He's actually speaking to me. When I read the Bible, it made sense. There was something about that that I used during my day. This is what we get to be a part of and, and let God do in our lives. But it's all about the first things first. Never forget your first love. Never forget that he is the one that made it all possible. Everything is, is around the gospel, which is that Jesus died for us. We're sinners. We are messed up. We on our own can destroy our lives. Every one of us can. But he reconciles, reunites, and he, he restores lives. And as we trust him, he does that. And that's such good news. Isn't that good news? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for that good news of the gospel. 
that we have that free gift and all we have to do is trust you and, and, um, allow you.